You're listening to the Cheating Unfiltered Podcast. Hey, thanks for listening to the Cheating Unfiltered Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Love. And I'm Della Gray. And this is part three of Lola's story. I can't wait to hear the end of the story, Chris. I'm I'm ready for the end of the story. It's been an amazing story. What a uh, journey. Right. I mean, she's an amazing storyteller. But uh, hey, listen, guys, enjoy part three. And remember, this is the Cheating Unfiltered Podcast. And he's sort of drunk and he hasn't said, can I buy you a drink? I think he was trying to like, you know, position in to buy himself a drink. But I heard whatever. Oh, my God, you want to rape me, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And we start up a conversation and I end up asking him to show me his license because he's so cute and like handsome. I know he's like way too young and he's flirting with me. You just want to see what was in his wallet. That's yes, what it was. that's it. Family pictures, <laughs> platinum card. card. So he leaves. And I thought, okay, well, that was fun for whatever that two second interval that I had of flirting. And he comes back and he says he comes back for me. Aww. And all I remember was we made out. All night long. This is three months after I've been like at the 18- bar. At the bar. What bar? <laughs> a bar. Another bar. Making out. Making out. Making out. I remember calling a girlfriend the next day and saying, you know, whatever. Ten years of therapy, but one night of making out with a younger man and I <laughs> was a new woman. <laughs> so I tracked him down. I don't even know how I did it. I remember he said he worked in Ybor City. So is this a nice way of saying you stalked him? Basically, because this is before Facebook, so it took some effort. It took some effort. (laughs) And he said he was an architect, and I think I remember what firm he worked at. So So I left. So you go to Yellow Pages at the library? Yellow Pages. (laughs) Yellow Pages. And that's the sound the Yellow Pages make. Yes. yeah, for for you youngins out there, you will never know <laughs> what it's like to go to the library and you're looking for someone who doesn't live in town. So you go to the library where they have phone books for different cities <laughs> and you pull that phone book. Wow. Bef- way, yeah. I, and that was a stalking story of mine too. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> so I find him. And in those days, my ex was coming back and forth. We had a house, and then we had a house on the beach. Of course we did. (laughs) And so he would go back and forth to the house on the beach, but it was, you know, probably 45 minutes away. So there was – I didn't tell him he couldn't come to the house. And for some reason, on some glorious day, my ex, you know, that he couldn't come back and forth. But on some glorious day, this guy calls me back, and who answers the phone but my ex? I'm like, yes. <laughs> oh, I was thinking, oh no, but this no. was oh yes. I mean, we've been separated three. Yeah. Like now, it's we're not divorced, but it's on. But think of this guy yeah. that calls you, and a man answers the phone. Like the oh yes. Oh, was... I didn't give a shit about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't, didn't care how he gay. felt. <laughs> Did you say to me, like, hi, yes, this is me, Lola, and he's gay. You know, like, don't worry about that. I don't think, I think he left me a message. (laughs) I remember we met for lunch, and my 
Yes. No, we did really meet for lunch. And Della um, just threw up air quotes by yeah. the way. So just so <laughs> yeah, she's they really like, met for lunch. lunch. No, we really did meet for lunch. <laughs> Boring. But at lunch, if there was a way to describe eighteen years of pent up sexual tension, I remember sitting and his shoulder like touched mine the whole time at lunch. And I just was it. If somebody could give you a youth serum, yes. It was like nothing. I I was in 100%. He was married. Oh, shit. Mm. And, yeah. Yeah, that's tough. He told you at lunch. Well, I was sort of technically still married. He was married, married. But... I did not care. Yeah, at that point, it's just t- totally selfish. Oh, yeah, I mean... It was full-blown. I'm going 100% after this. I've never felt like this. I don't think I've ever felt like this again, actually. It was 100% I'm in. Because of that, you think because of that pent-up frustration and that pent-up he energy was that you had? He was everything my ex... Was it? Was yeah. it? He was younger. Mm-hmm. He, he was... was straight. He was straight. Yep. He was straight. That That's helped. important. There's that big yeah. So important. <laughs> <laughs> Not even just a little bi. Yeah, he was totally a man's way. man. Yeah. <laughs> and he, I think, was an alcoholic. So there was like this party person mm-hmm. as well. So a, like a riskiness instead of this. Yes. So, so your ex-husband is like super, super calculated. Cal- yes. Has every like Always move. in control. He's like four moves ahead and right. this guy's like, all right, fuck it. <laughs> he was just like a weekend was just balls to the wall. I was his wingman because he was, but it was unbelievable. It Isn't it that movie with Robert De Niro, whatever, The Awakening? I just feel... <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> and then my ex went bananas. He lost his mind. Are you kidding? Lost. What did he lose his mind about? That you about were... me about... about losing me about how I was the best thing ever. Wait, <laughs> well, he didn't have the control anymore there, Miss Lola. So yeah, of course he was feeling it. Lost his mind. He would stalk me. Oh. Find out where I was. He stalked this guy. He called this guy's wife. Oh, no. Mm. Mm. That's terrible. It was terrible. So what would he do to stalk you? Just follow me. Like, all of a sudden, he'd be at my sister's house. Or I'd find out that he had called this, you know, my lover's wife. And he was crying and losing his mind. In fact, right before we separated, one of the things I thought, oh, we'll have to stay married forever, he had coronary artery disease. He had a long family history. And like literally the month before we got separated, he got diagnosed with literally having to have a bypass. But like the next day, he was a dick. (laughs) And that's when I said, you know what? This is the universe telling you, if this doesn't change this man, nothing's ever going to change. But with, I think, the underlying cardiac disease, he would, like, sweat profusely like a scary person. And all of a sudden, he became fragile. Mm. And I had never seen him that way. And I don't know if that gave me power. When I hired an attorney, one of the things they had said was, this could take a long time because you've been married to a physician. So... 
you know, there's assets and things to be divided and you've been married for a long time, so there's alimony. You should probably take a big chunk of money and put that aside somewhere because if he decides he doesn't want to pay you for one year, for two year, this could be held up for a long time. So I took that advice and I was a big saver. So I started my own bank account and put a big check in there. And he lost his mind with that too. Because all of a sudden this balance of power has shifted. Has yeah. shifted. He's del- he's more fragile like you said. You're taking your power back or taking your power. Yeah, he had that's... never known me, but yet <clears throat> I was smart enough. I had always managed the finances. I had done everything. So I knew where the money was. I knew what we saved. I saved every fucking penny we had. So we were in a great position. I was even in a better position because I decided what does two years of living, you know, money look like? And then he lost his mind. So this whole period of my life became just so unusual. I mean, there was just still kids around, but I was having this wild affair with this younger guy who was married, who was super sexy and every bad boy thing that could have been put into like this experience was right there. Where would you meet up to? uh... Sometimes I would, um, we'd usually meet downtown. Like in a hotel? No, his sister owned apartments. So she would have like an extra apartment or something like that. It usually be overnight because I had the kids, so I couldn't really be gone for any length of time. Um, sometimes it would be like in the middle of the street, like like, just, like in like, the right car, here. yeah, in the car. <laughs> <laughs> it was like whatever, wherever you could done, you know. Well, that happened. must have been exciting too. Oh my god! I always said if if you could bottle that and give that as an anti aging, that was everything. Because I didn't know what it was like to be told, you have great legs or, you know. To not be you're poked hot, in your shorts or, and you're fat, you know. Yeah, you're a little fatty there, you know. And then, you know, my ex sort of lost his mind. One day I came home and he still had access to the house. And on this particular afternoon, I walked into the house. He had already been there and gone. And I looked up and saw that this typical big painting, we had like some valuable art, was gone over my bed. And it was a little picture of me hanging over the bed. My ex had come into the house and as a revenge, had stolen everything that was of value. Like Limoges, these expensive, you know, glasses and porcelains and art and paintings, and just like took it in front of the kids. My son was just a baby. When I started to realize that he was, like he had stolen all this stuff, I started crying hysterically. And I remember my son looking at me, he goes, yeah, mommy. And he stole the booties too. The booties? The booties. Like, like the we had birdies, they had like porcelain tchotchkes that were whatever. And in that moment, I remember I cried myself like for 24 hours to sleep and then just said, I will never put any kind of value again on this type of materialistic stuff and now it's war you know you want to play you want to play motherfucker i'm gonna play and that changed i mean in that moment it was 
over. There was never, ever going to be any hope of any salvation of this. Even though I thought, oh, even when he was diagnosed with coronary artery disease, I even thought of those, I have to stay with him. That's what you do. That's what a good Catholic girl does. That's what a niña buena does. And, yeah. So you... That was awesome that you finally found the strength through the pain, though. That was... But it must, must have been hard. Like, your kids were witnessing this. They're seeing, like, Dad take the stuff and even telling you, yeah, he even took the boardies. I mean, it's not just that he took all those things. He did it in front of them. You and know? I think, it's too, like a, the other it, thing... Like, I have this power over your mother. But he still has this thing of... And I wonder if, if he had just been an average worker, if he were a blue-collar worker, would he have gotten the hall pass that he did? I often wonder if he's gotten... Yeah, we know the answer to that. You know? Yeah. yeah. We, we, no. I'm sure. No. It's, no, he had a lot of privilege. <laughs> he had a <laughs> lot a, of privilege. I mean, so many reasons, you know, that he had the privilege. But then there was so much more to follow. Like, it didn't end with the divorce. It took us two years to get divorced. Hey, thanks for listening to the Cheating Unfiltered podcast. Remember, this show is for you. So to submit your cheating stories or questions, go to cheatingunfiltered at gmail.com or you can leave us a message at 813-922-5207. He was just awful through that. You know, then you started to find out he was dating guys for the first time or all of a sudden he was coming out 360 degrees and the worst part about it was all of a sudden I was the bad guy because it was again this era that didn't favor me mm-hmm. the Even reason it didn't your... favor me because like oh he's gay yay mm-hmm. like yay let's celebrate this poor man you know he's had to hide all mm-hmm. of us and all of a sudden it wasn't the man who cheated who got arrested who was pathologic nobody saw that right. it was like that poor man had to hide you know right. his sexuality mm-hmm. so there's right i i totally agree there is a support system and, and they and there should be a support system for folks that are you know uh, coming out and and now so more these days you know that that is awesome but what where's the support system for the spouse left behind and i you know now maybe a little bit more so but still. i don't think anybody talks about the spouse left, left behind, behind. Mm-hmm. i think that's the problem i was telling you chris before that i was given this book after some divorce proceedings and those are numerous um what's called the other side of the closet and i had never read any stories like mine because i still couldn't figure out i was the one that was wrong i was the one i never cheated on him the whole marriage. I was amazing. And yet. And sexy. And we, sexy. We said so right sexy. In the beginning. Very so sexy. sexy. Always. So sexy. <laughs> and yet, even it, through all of this, he still seemed to be the one that was glorified. So what's the name of this book? That the you, Other Side of the Closet. And you, that was helpful for no, you? No, I could barely read the passages. It was so painful. Oh, good. Because I would read stories like mine wow. of people that what they did to hide it, mm. how they lied to them, how that mind fuck was. And it kept you, it brought you back to that oh, time. That I, I would open that. chapters and just have to close them because I had never read any stories like mine. And I still think it's 220. And we're still not talking about 
an era where someone like myself, what happened to me? Mm-hmm. Even today, and, and I'll joke, I'm like, you can't win against the gays. Like, you, it's, you can't mm-hmm. beat that. The, he was a better decorator. He sewed better. He looked better. He, I, I don't, and, you know. And Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I understand like, what you're saying. You can't like, beat he, that. He had, you know, so many privileges, and then he had maybe some of that political support, too, mm-hmm. as far as, right. you know, You can't out. say anything because... Because it makes you look insensitive right. or, or like that you, you know. But it wasn't, to me, this was not about him being gay. I would have been okay had he been gay. If he had come to me and say, I'm so sorry, I grew up in South America. I, I've known since I was eight years old. This is what, I love you. I made the wrong choice. I, I feel like I need to take another direction. Or I just right. figured it out. I, you know, I and never I really understood. Talk, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could take this whole story and take out that he was gay and put another person in there. You can even put another woman well, yeah. instead of, you know, a bookstore. It could have been a brothel. It could have been a hotel room and been caught in a sting with that. Um, the jogging could have been another woman. Like you can, you know, replace a woman or man, you know, whatever part of that story as well and it was still devastating because i don't think your family would have been supportive whether it was another woman or another man being being that background that that cuban catholic background it's like well men have affairs and i think too with him he probably having known from a very young age that he had this probably tendency because i think that's what he would say right now you know it and he's a brilliant man. It bred this person that had to become sociopathic. You know, I think with each, like part of his thrill of doing things that were like the arrest, for instance. And, and the stealing at TJ Maxx. Like it was the. Yeah, this yeah. wasn't just about risky being be- gay. This was behavior. behavior that said, I'm bored, not yeah. bored, but what can I do that I can get away with? Right. And there's so much more to so- this. So, wow. So what do you think you've learned from this experience? Oh, so much changed. that I'm a, a badass. You're a totally That I badass. am so strong. That I am so incredibly resilient. That I have whatever a gift is that says, you know, when I was younger and I used to be told I was the girl with rose colored glasses. I remember being told that from as long as I can remember. Um, that I was stronger than him, that I was better than him, that I was a great person, that I could sleep at night, that I was a great parent. Yeah, I, I got that from your story too. The- that I devoted, like I decided that there was a crisis and that the kids still needed somebody to be a hero. Yeah, so I think in the end, the proudest accomplishment was that my kids came out whole. But you don't know that until 20 years down the road. You don't see that. And I'm going to say this, too, because Lola, I know you personally, and I, I know a lot of the story. And this situation propelled you um, into owning your own business um, and actually, you're you're on the front line of the technology of your business, and I don't I don't know would that even happen 
Oh, and you didn't would have, have to take care of, of yourself and be the doctor's wife. Because you're not only just have your own business, you're accomplished and having, you know. I was this. accomplished sort of before while I was married mm-hmm. to him, but I always decided that one of us had to be home. So in like a gone with the wind moment, I swear to God, I mean, so many of these are so cliche, but when it was all over, I remember saying to myself, and the three things I'm going to do, you know, as I swear to God, you know, as God is my whatever, I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to do philanthropic work because I thought I'd work in the community and I'm going to do stand-up comedy. And I don't know why I felt that comedy... I just felt it in my bones. My dad was a really funny guy and I played in a harmonica band growing up. So I was the lead harmonica player. So I was always the one who did all the opening for the shows or the announcement of the groups. And he'd teach me these corny things. And then the situation was so bizarre that I couldn't believe even afterwards, even though he was the bad guy, that I was getting all the backlash i mean if i went to a bar right one of the things i was never prepared for because i never said anything to anybody as you guys now know so i i was stuck in the closet with him so afterwards i felt like i'm gonna share now i'm gonna share so if a guy came up to me and said you know what's your story or whatever (laughs) i would eventually somehow in like the first four sentences somehow say my ex was gay not so no. great of an opener no, that's not what you <laughs> because leave what most men would do was this like side eye <laughs> and it would go from the top of my head like all the way down as if there was like a 300 pound flesh-eating tumor like on dr pimple popper on the back <laughs> of my ass that i was hiding and that's of course the gay making power that i had <laughs> like uh, if you look at the tumor on my ass you're i'm gonna, gonna be you're gonna be gay look right at, now look into my eyes or look into the tumor yep. you will go to tj maxx <laughs> and steal and steal <laughs> really not so expensive dresses oh wow <laughs> and that shall we leave for um <laughs> different experience wow well listen lola thank you so much for just telling us your story like it's it's definitely a very interesting story it is and i know a lot of people are going to be able to to just take from that and and learn a lot you know meeting people again i'm also a woman of a certain age and as far as you know the situation where the spouse ended up you know be their sexual preference wasn't what it was when they got married it's actually not that uncommon. And I think that the listeners, there's going to be a lot of people that connect to that on mm-hmm. both sides of what am I doing to my, you know, my significant other, or I've been through this, or I think I'm going through this. and I feel like I'm crazy. And so I, as I meet more and more people, it's, you know, every story is unique, but the theme I think is, is more common than folks think. And, and the last thing you want is for anyone to feel that isolation that comes in. Yeah. Am I am I crazy? No, it's not crazy at all. That's the isolation that makes you feel crazy. But no, not mm-hmm. at all. And uh, it was really great for you to share that and be vulnerable with us and to laugh with you as well. Um, I, well, think. I loved it, and yeah. you guys still sound sexy. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you very much. Well, hey, listen. If you also would like to share your story, your cheating story, or if you have any questions or comments uh, about today's show, um, you can do so by emailing us at cheatingunfiltered at gmail.com 
or you can leave us a message at 813-922-5207. And also remember that it's completely confidential. Uh, we are not using your real name. You can ask us, you can tell us what you would like to be called or we can make one up for you. We'd love to pick your name if you like us. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, hey, remember, I'm your host, Chris Love. And I'm Della Gray. And you're listening to the Cheating Unfiltered Podcast. Bye, y'all. You're listening to the Cheating Unfiltered Podcast.